WPSL Port St. Lucie. It's 9 o'clock and time for We Are Just Christians live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. Here are your hosts, Mike Smith and Gary Jones. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning to you, Ray, and good morning to all you out there listening to the show today. We're really grateful for your presence and your attention to the show. We appreciate it. And for the next hour or so, we'll be on the air taking your calls, comments, and questions. And Lord willing. Lord willing. And <laughs> for going that, we'll be uh, making up our own stuff, talking about our own subjects. But we're glad to have you listening and especially to participate in the show. We Are Just Christians is a live call-in show. And uh, it really is a lot better when you call in with something on your mind. Whether it's what we're talking about or whether it's something completely different, we don't mind at all. So we just like you to participate. Let me give you the ground rules for calling in or participating, and then uh, I'll give you the contact information. So while I'm talking here, you can get a piece of paper and a pencil and uh, jot down the numbers to reach us to be ready to jot them down anyway. Uh, the ground rules are this. We like to have a conversation if we can, or at least uh, give you a chance to talk. We're not here to uh, ridicule anybody. We don't mind disagreeing or saying, you know, we disagree or proposing something, a different answer to your question. Uh, at all, but we're not going to, we're not here to set you up to embarrass you or anything like that. We're here to have a conversation. So if you can stay on the line, some people can, but if you can't stay on the line, stay on the line. We'll go have a back and forth. And we promise at the end, we're going to give you the last word so that you don't have to feel taken advantage of in some way or that we're uh, just simply using you as a prop. So anyway, <clears throat> call in the show. You can reach us live here in Port St. Lucie at 772 772- Three four zero one five nine zero seven seven two three four zero fifteen ninety, or or you can text us. We have a couple of text numbers. Gary and I both do seven seven two two six zero six one two zero is Mike's text number seven seven two two six zero six two two zero is Gary's text number. You're welcome to call in anytime or text. You can text us anytime during the week. During the show, we'll try to get back with you or respond to your text in some way on the air if we can. Uh, if not, we will can be do that later. Depends how things are here in front of us and what's going on. Um, Seems like I used to be able to do three or four things at one time, Gary. I'm not quite as good at it as I used to be, <laughs> or else I was never that good at it. So you know how that goes. My, I'll say to my wife about something, well, I, I think I'm slipping a little bit. She goes, oh, no, you've always been that way. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> now I find out it's just she just pretending all these years. But anyway, my name is Mike Schmidt. I'm the preacher and one of the elders of the Church of Christ on Savona Boulevard. And as usual, my partner's Gary Jones. How you doing, Gary? I'm doing fine this morning, Mike. Caught, caught, him, right. caught him when he was drinking, getting a drink here, so right. out of our little things of water. It's funny how we've all become camels in my later years. We've all got to have water just right there, store it up somehow. But uh, people used to be able to go through, you know, whole well, days without. I'm 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 changing. I'm I'm convinced uh, everything around the house is wearing out. I'm convinced. And you're Lord, one of the things. Yeah, and I'm one of the things. The Lord's yeah. telling me you're wearing out, and uh, which I think is a general message, but well, it, it's becoming increasingly clear. Sharon's going to have to be calling in somebody else to take your place here one of these days soon. That's what's um, going to happen there. She does everything else. Well, you know, this thing about water, we'll get, get off the crazy start here, but this eight cups of water, eight glasses or eight cups of water a day, that's another statistic completely misconstrued, misunderstood you know what by my, the media what large. My yeah, that's including told, all your food and everything else. Yeah, you know what my doctor told me? My doctor told me, he says, when you're thirsty, drink. If you're not thirsty, don't drink. Right, right. That's what he told me. And you don't have to drink water as if other liquids aren't the same. And so I don't know. He said water is probably pretty good for you. It's a common mythology that you got to drink eight glasses of pure water. Of course, you know, we we like ours that has been soaked in plastic, most people do. (laughs) Or even if it's in glass, you know, uh, whatever you got water in. It will absorb a little bit of that substance. So whatever you're putting your water in, is it has some of this container in it. Now, it may be some part that's completely minuscule, not affecting anything, but don't kid yourself that you're drinking pure H2O. Pure H2O is probably a very dangerous substance. 
from what I understand. Unless you want to distill it. I mean, <clears throat> well, yeah, but still, they're still getting whatever it is there. But we're off the subject, Gary. Uh, let's give the numbers again. 772-340-1590 is the number where you reach us here on We Are Just Christians. And uh, we'd be glad to take your call about whatever is on your mind today. Uh, if you want to change the subject, certainly do so. Also, you know, you can listen to this show uh, without having an AM radio right there by you. You can listen at WPSL.com. You go to WPSL.com, uh, you'll be glad, you, you'll be able to listen to the show live. Click the Listen listen Live or Listen Now button, probably which one it says, and it'll take you another little, open up another window, take you to the show when we're on the air. If you want to just tell Alexa, Alexa, Tune to 1590 WPSL. It'll tune into the show. And you can tell your friends about that. They, wherever they are in the world, they can yeah, find send, it on the website. And, if you're at, listening, at send an email to your friends. Tell them where to find it. Right. Us. And maybe you hear something that's just so crazy. You know, you got to tune in. These guys, uh, they're talking about this or whatever. Do that. We'd, we'd appreciate it. Uh, you can also find the show if you go to our website which is the website for the church and for the radio show, seven, uh, my numbers. <laughs> we are just Christians.com. Go to, we are just Christians.com and you'll find, uh, um, there a link to the recordings of the radio show. So these have been archived for years going back ever since we started probably over 10 years ago, I guess, uh, archived. And uh, we have most weeks, not all weeks of them, but you can listen to the shows at your leisure as a podcast. So those are some different ways you can catch the show if it's hard for you to catch the show on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock here in, w, in Port St. Lucie. You don't have to be here. You don't have to listen at that time. And if you if you hear something on a recording or the show that you'd like to talk about, all you have to do is text us at the numbers I gave, 772-260-6120 or 772-260-6120. Six two two zero. Just text us what you're thinking, and we'll we'll respond to that and have a conversation. Maybe even uh, correct something we've said that's in error, or or we'd like to add to on the air. We'd appreciate that. So you can do that anytime that you want to, uh, uh, from anywhere in the world. <clears throat> we'll talk some more about that in a moment, Gary. I got a few crazy things going on here. Um, Go right ahead. I've, and I've been so busy this week; I have not had time to look. Well, I've been busy finding crazy things, so it seems like I don't know. I got a bunch of them here saved up because we've had some calls the last few weeks, so I got a stack of all these weird things. And by you know, it's good because time they percolate for a week, I go, eh, I don't think so. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they go to the bottom of the stack. Here, how you like this one, Gary? A headline. In San Diego, porn star preaches message, quote, for sinners, by sinners. Self-described adult actress Angela Dela Cruz and her entrepreneur husband, Stephen, have launched Living Faith Church in downtown San Diego, California. Dela Cruz is a porn star making a living from an industry-wide, industry widely considered evil and predatory. She's also a pastor of Living Faith Church, a new church plant in downtown San Diego. They launched the church this summer, advertising it as a church for sinners by sinners. So, you know, you can tell your wife, honey, I think we should start going to church. I finally found a church that suits us. I'm mean, just going <laughs> to let you know, uh, you and the kids can come. come we're all going to go to church as a family day. We're going to go to the church and hear this woman preach because she's a porn star. And, you know, I saw her on the Internet. You can tell your wife. Yeah, I know oh, her yeah, from sure. the Internet. Right. You want to tell your wife that. But anyway. Uh, they uh, they said this church the church website further explains that the church's leaders are quote the biggest sinners and this is the most non-judgmental church around. <sighs> Where else will you find an adult actress who is also a pastor? Uh, question mark exclamation point that's their on their on their website. Uh, well that's on Instagram. Here I have the Instagram um, I have the Instagram post here. I had to click on it you know. Can't help it. Here's the Instagram post. Oh, that's the Instagram post. Yeah. We are passionate about helping you discover your purpose. There's that purpose-driven life. Live in power and live out your God-given potential. So purpose, power, and potential. Three Ps. I just love sermons that have three, three points that all start with P, you know. But there's three Ps in this post, and it says that um, 
There's a literary term for that, isn't there? Alliteration? Yeah. Or something like that. Thinking. Yeah. And it's also what the, if you take a course in um, televangelist hermeneutics or um, what's that title for homiletics, is it? Is apologetics. It, apolo- well, her- homiletics is the study of sermon writing or speech writing. Oh, okay. And then apologetics is a study of a defense of the gospel or defense of anything else. Then you got exegesis, which is interpretation or hermeneutics. So you got all these fans. They have to do that to make it sound like you're pay- getting what you're paying for. Well, and then I've go got a school. book called, uh, uh, what was it? Apocalyptics. <laughs> Basically, uh, it was a study of apocalyptic writing. <coughs> that's, that's a very specific, sorry, <clears throat> kind of subject. All right, so this says, it says, come and be part. I love all the buzzwords in this Instagram post. You, you can tell. First, you, you got purpose, power, and potential, and passionate. You got all these, and then you got an amazing community. There's another buzzword. That's non-judgmental, open-minded, fun, and loves Jesus. So you got to have the fun in there. It doesn't start with a P, but uh, you know, you got to have the fun and non-judgmental. So this is a church that welcomes all sinners but glorifies Jesus. Now, uh, I don't even know where to go with that one, Gary, except that the Bible. Look, there's there's just a there's just part of Christianity. Just like everything else, that you just can't have it any old way that you want to and still call it the same thing. A banana pudding without bananas is not a banana pudding. Yeah, I understand that. And that's the problem with people who just want to take an idea like, oh, the gospel, oh, we love sinners. And then they want to live and act any way that they choose and call it inclusive. Well, God's word is inclusive in that he desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's 2 Peter 3, about verse 7 or 8, maybe you know, about verse 10 or so. Yeah, well, let's not leave out John 12, 48 either. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him, the word that I have spoken, will judge him in the last day. You know, that's that's pretty clear to me that we need to know what he said. <coughs> Well, yes, and I'll tell you something that's going to be inclusive now that you bring it up, Gary. The judgment. The judgment is going to include everybody. Very inclusive of every person. Right. And all the things that they do. Now, of course, without without the possibility, the real possibility of damnation and condemnation because of sin, there simply is no need for the gospel. Those who want to downplay the the call for righteousness and goodness and morality among God's people or reject any kind of to be non-judgmental, they've they've now, without realizing it, I suppose, destroyed any need for the gospel whatsoever. Because the only reason you need Jesus hanging on a cross is because there is going to be a judgment day. That includes everybody, and you need to you need to save yourself from that. So those who want to downplay the importance of of standards or judgment are the are really destroying any need for the gospel at all. Without sin, we have no need for the gospel. Now, of course, the the gospel is God's grace because He doesn't have to do anything about our sin. But no, notice what He says in First Corinthians six. I'm not sure how this. <clears throat> plays he talks about ironically in the first part of first Corinthians six he talks about these Christians judging the world and so forth and um he says um hang on um verse nine do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God now that's not a very inclusive statement is it? The right. unrighteous will not. Now, of course, a person like Miss Dela Cruz here thinks the unrighteous people are people that that are trying to uphold any kind of moral standard, and they're judgmental, and so they're unrighteous. But listen to what he goes on to say. He goes on to say, "Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, which people have sexual relations outside of marriage, 
nor adulterers, of which she is one, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. So this charge, oh, you Christians are just against uh, having sex. You're just a bunch of old fuddy-duddies who don't believe in having sex. Well, this, this list, as it were, includes a lot of other sins that Paul lumps right in there with fornication and adultery and, and homosexual, homosexual behavior. Uh, and so he said, but such were some of you, you were, some, which, such were some of you, but you were washed and you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. So Paul is saying here, these people used to be those things, but now that they're in Christ, they're not doing these things. They've been cleansed from. So this this uh, woman and her husband who are trying to start a church and actively participate in pornography are really are standing in the judge within the judgment of God. Uh, and they may talk in all of the all of the buzzwords of modern times of community and passion and purpose and non-judgmental and inclusive. They have all the buzzwords going. But the only buzzwords you should be interested in are the buzzwords of the scriptures. And so this woman who is with her husband, she looks so loving toward him in the picture, but then goes out and has sex with other men for money on a, on a, on a stage with microphones and cameras and commits adultery against this man she says she loves right there. And if not adultery, at least the fornication, all kind of other sins that she's committing. Um, this is something that's unconscionable as far as a church. Now, Gary, there are churches out there, and I read about them time to time, and I'm, I'm certainly not against where the, the minister or the, or the people involved at, were, are former porn stars, former adulterers, whatever, and they've renounced that lifestyle and are trying to help people get out of that lifestyle because it's so destructive. It wouldn't have I have a problem. zero problem with that. I think that's great. I have no problem with all of that. You know, so um, it's well, a great thing. The other thing that was mentioned, I think you read earlier in there, it talks about uh, the leaders of the church are primarily the sinners. And I, I would have to say that maybe a lot of these public leaders that are on television and on radio have been. And, and let's let's be careful what we say here. But that's often more true than I like. And, and here you have a great example. That's well, yeah, all, that's and, and often more true yes, than we would like to Unfortunately, those people are hiding these sins because they know what the Bible says about it or they're afraid of something. But this this person is right out there in the open about it. Uh, now, we have a call on the lines, but let me say this first, and then we'll go there. Well, while you're getting to the caller, I just want to point out one one thing right at the end of the the, the New Testament, the end of the book of Revelation, talks about uh, the church, the, the New Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, and if you want to be a part of that. And, and then he says in verse 14 of chapter 22, Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. So there, there are a lot of sins there that yes. he says will not inherit the kingdom of God, will not exactly. be in heaven. And adulterers and fornicators are in that list. Exactly. And, and that's, what, that's all this is. Now, you know, people say, well, there was an adulterous woman in the Bible. They brought a woman committing adultery to Jesus. And, and, what, and Jesus, you know, blessed her. But what did he say to her? Go and sin, Go and sin no, no more. more. Now, these other people who have once been in this lifestyle have come out of that lifestyle and are helping others to get out of that lifestyle. They're trying to practice, however faultily perhaps, they're trying to practice that passage, go and sin no more, not come and let's have fun and celebrate the fact that I'm a porn star and that's what's attracting you to this church. Uh, but I think it's probably going to end up, though, before we get to Jerry, a lot of over in Tampa, when I lived in Tampa some years ago, there was a topless donut shop that opened up. So you could go early in the morning, get yourself some donuts, a bag of donuts, and sit there and drink coffee. And the waitresses in there were topless. And this was a big deal. You ever heard about that? You see what you're missing? You don't live in Tampa. But anyway, well, I lived it, there then. You know, it didn't last very long is my point. It, it just didn't last. didn't work. 
Well, we used to go back and forth to my family in Arkansas and up on I-75, somewhere just north of Gainesville, I would always see this sign on the road that says topless restaurant. There you go. Yeah. And apparently from the sign, I have to. I have to consider because I never stopped there. It's apparently up. But, I think if you're one I'm seeing is by Micanopy. Yeah. It's somewhere up there, right? Yeah. Well, it's yeah. up there, central northern part of Florida. Yeah. Yeah. And we would drive by it, but the last few times I've gone, it's not there. So I assume it's out of business. So yeah, I, I haven't seen the signs. But, but uh, yeah, these. <laughs> How long did the, did the topless donut shop last? A year or two. I mean, yeah. now the point is, it's just. Um, how is this church going to grow? That's the point I'm making. All right. Well, let's get it's, uh, Yeah, I, I will. I won't give you the name, but one of our listeners texted in the Risque Cafe. Oh, is I think that that's the name of it? called Risque Cafe. Oh, is that? That's, okay. that's I, the name of the place. I remember this now. I've seen it for years and years on I-75 North. There you go. All right. Uh, let's uh, put this on pause. If you want to call in about it, five. If not, Jerry, are you there? Let's go to uh, the for taking my call, Mike. Good morning, Gary. Good morning. In the uh, 11th Strong Floor AD, uh, you know, Battle of Hastings, uh, 1066, uh, I was wandering the uh, climate. This is where the Vikings uh, attacked England, and I was wandering. The climate was better, better in England than in Scandinavia. They could grow crops a lot longer uh, during the year. And I was wondering, did, did some of them, you know, after they were defeated, uh, what was the uh, religion in England? Uh, was it the Anglican Church? And uh, and what, when did the Anglican Church uh, begin? And was it Henry VIII that, uh, that started the Anglican Church? And I'm sorry it's so hard to understand, but I I had a stroke about six months ago, and I was just wondering about the Battle of Hastings. Did some of them stay behind in England, uh, you know, after this battle? Uh, and well, I'd like to listen off air if that'd be okay, Mike. Hang on one second, Jerry. It's not that you're hard to understand, but I couldn't yeah. hear the first thing that you were saying to me. Were you talking about the Battle of Hastings in 1066? Is that what you said? Or? Why? The Battle of what? Hastings. Hastings. Okay. Uh, and um, what you asked then, what was the religion of, when yeah, did the well, Anglican Church come in? Uh, and the, uh, about the, now. was much better uh, than Scandinavia. And uh, some of them, uh, some of the Vikings, that they stay behind after that battle. And uh, could I listen off all my... You sure, you sure can. I just wanted to make sure I heard correctly what you said in the very beginning. Thank you, Jerry. Well, I... I don't. I'm not sure how to comment on the on the Battle of Hastings, as such, and the Viking. Um, uh, well, I think it was the 10, Viking takeover. The Battle of Hastings, I think, was 1066. Yeah, that's. I I know that's what he said. Yeah. 1066. So, uh, it. Uh, the, I don't know if any Vikings stayed over in England, but here's the thing. Uh, back from medieval times onward before that, England is a mishmash of various warring tribes and ethnicities. And even the Anglo-Saxons, we get England, they, they weren't from that island, from England. Uh, the original re- the religion that I know of historically that was on the island of Britain or England, there what we now call England, was a Druid-type religion, very, very pagan had nothing to do with Christianity whatsoever. And then the Romans brought their gods in at the time of Julius Caesar. They, he, he brought the Roman gods into England. Well, actually, it was before and, Caesar into England. Caesar, okay. Caesar, Caesar had a rebellion up there, and he had to put that down. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they, they, they were already there. I think, yeah. yes, you're, you're right about that. Well, uh, uh, if I'm but th- my- it's just a, it was just a mix of various tribes. Now the the uh, the Scandinavian countries, Vikings, whatever we commonly know them, were always trying to move into that area as they were in all the islands around Scandinavia, all the way to Iceland and Greenland and so forth, and into North America. Um, but they were driven back. Now, the the, the more uh, probably pertinent question uh, 
they uh, about about the Anglican religion. The Anglican religion was start or Church of England Anglican on the basis of the name of England. It's called officially the Church of England uh, was started by Henry VIII as a reaction against the Pope not allowing him to divorce and marry at will. And so he started his own church, the Church of England, and said he was the chief of that church. And I'm giving you very, very basic and broad information here. But uh, the Church of England was very similar to the Catholic Church. If you're a Protestant in the real sense of the word, uh, you, you don't hardly see much difference at all. And yet there was great battles fought, a lot of intrigue over that. Oh, yeah, and, is, and that was the difference. But it's very similar in its belief to the Roman Catholic Church in the big picture of things. I'm not trying to be offensive to any person who's a member of the Church of England. Now, the Church of England comes to the United States and is known in the United States as the Episcopalian Church. Yeah. So if you've heard of Episcopalians, um, ruled by bishops, as it were, Episcopos, then you uh, are familiar with the American version of the Church of England as it came over from with the pilgrim, not not specific pilgrims, but many of the immigrants from from Britain. Now Gary, you looked like you were going to say something about no, this. No, uh, it's it's extremely complicated history. Oh yes. And that's why I said I'm giving the really sanitized, popular kind of version of that. Now, whether the Scandinavians were influenced by any of this, I can't say. Probably some of them did stay over. But here's the thing about the Scandinavian religions. I'm talking about Nordic uh, broadly or, uh, you know, Sweden, Norway, uh, e even the, some of the Danes were connected to this. I didn't realize there was a bridge between Sweden and Denmark. Did you? Uh, I found this out recently. But in any event, they were very they were they were very pagan. Also, their gods had nothing to do with Christianity. In fact, Missionaries tried to convert the Vikings into some kind of Christian peoples, but they were very pagan, and all these uh, gods, Thor and all those other gods, uh, were were um, unchristian, to some degree anti-Christian for centuries. Now, what happened is what happened in a lot of places. When the Roman Catholic Church, or even the Eng Anglican Church, went into some of these areas to evangelize, they ended up adopting some of the native pagan holidays and ideas. And so you get different blends of these pagan Nordic religions into Christianity, just like when they went into um, various parts of Latin America. The Catholic Church adopted some of the holidays, terminology, thought processes of the, the native pagan religions in those areas also. And you come up with these blends of various into Christianity. Syncretism is what it's called in technical terms. And so um, my basic thing to answer Jerry with would be to point Jerry. Jerry, the, it's an interesting bit of history. But what uh, I'll say this, what we're trying to do on this show, this is the very kind of thing that we really are trying to get back beyond. What, not, what Henry VIII did or didn't do and what, what happened is not of as much consequence to me and you as what did Jesus say? What did the apostles teach? Now, that's not a criticism. I'm just making a point that well, from where it, I'm sitting, all that is interesting, and we can learn lessons from it. But for us today, if, if I can help the people of Port St. Lucie in any way, I'd be pointing them past Henry VIII all the way back to the apostles to find out what to do and believe in yep. religion. Wouldn't you, Gary? Is that the yeah, whole yeah, point, particularly, right? particularly what we read, John 12, 48, uh, that tells us Jesus' word is going to be the standard by which we will be judged. In the end, uh, everything that goes before it kind of pales in, in significance to that statement. Uh, and what's developed outside of Jesus' word, basically, is not much more than something that uh, leads us astray. Now, I know you and I have that supposition that, that the Bible is uh, the verbally inspired word of God, and not everyone holds that, uh, that presupposition. 
Yes. And so some of these historical notes may be important as to how we got to where we are today. But basically, unless you, the Bible does not give you a choice. Here, here's the problem that I run into that, that I think not many people appreciate. You either believe the Bible or you have to dismiss it. Jesus and the Bible did not give you a choice. They don't give you the choice of picking and choosing what you want. Right. right. And and so when we depart from that, if if you believe it, then that's fine. Well, it goes right back to the first thing we talked about, about the porn star church. Yeah, yeah. You're picking and choosing parts of the Bible that you like, and you leave off the rest because you don't want to be judgmental. So um, what, what I would say to Jerry, what this all history all illustrates in a broad way are attempts by humans for political and social reasons to modify the gospel of Christ. Or monetary reasons. Or monetary reasons, yes. I'd probably let different. To alter what the scriptures say about how the church and people ought to act. And they all have their own reasons. It's up to each one of us and up to us as how we practice what we do in churches and leaders of various churches to go back and find out what the Bible says and to rid ourselves of these human types of motivations for doing the things that we do to protect yourself because you want to get divorced and get another wife and start another church is reprehensible to do such a thing as that and yet an entire nation has its own national religion built upon that very premise it's an absurdity i just think that the devil just laughs at these things it's an absurdity that that happened the way it did and and uh the Vic- it's a good thing when you can convert these pagan Vikings to Christianity, but in the end, sometimes you've got to consider what are you converting them to? Uh, you know, that's one of them is not more acceptable than the other. You know, Gary, uh, we got a text or two on the original discussion about the porn star church. This is from Jason. Listen oh, okay. What, listen okay. What the, there's two or three in a row here. The entire church is for sinners by sinners, which is exactly right. None of us are perfect and without sin. That feels like something that God would either laugh heartily at or groan and shake his head. My name is Jason, by the way, and someone who has struggled as someone who has struggled with quitting porn for a decade and a half, and only now I'm doing better with God and Jesus in my life, I find the idea of a porn star church vaguely offensive. Oh, you look, uh, and you look at what you just said, fornicators like Miss Porn Star Pastor. And, uh, Yes, that is something that I thought of and didn't really get to. The effect that that kind of thing has on people who have ruined their marriages and oftentimes their careers and have ruined their own souls by getting addicted to pornography and and trying to satisfy many different desires and and fears and all kind of other things. Uh, And and the damage that kind of person does to it by saying, yeah, it's all good, come on in, all the water's fine, is incalculable. People don't get involved in pornography, especially they don't get addicted to it, Gary, because they are well-balanced, secure people. They're getting into it, and they don't get into it because they are just wicked, evil, disgusting people. That isn't, that's a mis, I think that's a terrible misunderstanding and a misjudgment about what's involved in getting involved in pornography. It is simply one way to deal with emotional pain of some sort or inadequacy and other th- and, and, and or many other things, and it's a wrong choice that people make that ends up enslaving them and their own desires and ruining so many other areas of life. There's a way out of this. The gospel can show you your true value, can show you the correct ways to deal with anxiety and shame, bear, pain. It can show you the right ways to deal with those things if you want, or you can take the easy route and just um, some people use drugs, some people use gambling, some people use alcohol, and some people use pornography and masturbation to uh, give their brain this satisfaction, a very temporary satisfaction, that only leads to more shame and more use of pornography. And for someone to come along in the name of Christ and say that all this is good, just accept it and roll with it. And by the way, I'm a star, so come to this church because I'm a star, is is beyond the pale and it's disgusting. Well, it hints of monetary advantage, and that's that's basically what uh, a lot of the things that are brought in are based on. Well, the one thing I'm surprised at, I'll say, 
And I appreciate very much Jason's text. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that, Jason, coming from coming from uh, someone who's in this and understands this greatly. I don't see this word in here, celebrate. I'm surprised because usually when you see this kind of sin, you have the word celebrate in there somewhere. Come and help us celebrate diversity or help us celebrate, you know, uh, freedom from judgment, whatever. The ca- I'm, I'm giving them hints. If they're listening, yeah. you know, you can listen and, and you can add this to your next ad campaign because you'll fool a lot of other people about celebrating for it. Well, anyway, I, I'm getting a little bit. I'm waxing elephants again, Gary, but <laughs> we do have another call on the line. Uh, are you there, Ken? Yeah, Mike, I'm here. How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Stayed up a little bit too late last night. That's why my call is late. <laughs> yeah, so I stayed I, up too late, yeah. too. Anything past 930 is too late for an old man like me. Yeah, yeah. So I want to. When you were young, Ken, did, were you still getting dressed to go out at 930? You know, I was. No. Didn't pick up my friends till nine thirty, ten o'clock, and now, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be asleep by nine thirty. Anyway, go ahead. No, Mike. Mike was way <laughs> behind me. I was. I was gone by seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, behind. I don't know. Anyway, go ahead, uh, Ken. Yeah, I want to talk about the Jew- Jewish New Year, and um, uh, I'll give you some scripture here. Leviticus. 25, and let's just look at verse 10, and then I want to go further down and look at verse uh, 18 and 19. Okay, let me look it up, so and you can year, go ahead. The year 5782. You said and this is the year 5782? Yes. So we just celebrate, just celebrated Rosh Hashanah on the 6th. Rosh Hashanah means head of the year. But it's not a Jewish holiday. At least not a real Jewish holiday. So. What do you mean by that? It's not, it's not one of the feasts of the Lord in the Bible? Correct. Now, there's the feast of the Lord. Okay, Ken, hang on. It jumped into feedback there. Uh, yeah, Ken, do you have your radio on? If you have it on, turn it off. It might work better. I don't. Maybe I okay, got... start over again. You said it's not a feast of the Lord, and then you started. You said something else, and I don't remember what it was. I, can't, I couldn't hear it. Uh, it's uh, the feast. It's the feast of trumpets. So. What is happening in Leviticus 25:10 is the feast of trumpets. Well, uh, well, the, that doesn't have anything to do with the feast of trumpets. That's different topic. Okay, that's what I thought, but that's what I'm asking. Radical year. Okay. So, um, you want me to read verse 10? Yeah, go ahead. And ye shall hallow, hallow the fiftieth year. And proclaim liberty throughout the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. And it shall be a jubilee unto you, and you shall return every man unto his possession, and you shall return every man unto his family. Okay. Now, the phrase proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants is on the Liberty Bell. Yes, I saw that. Mm -hmm. Well, I thought that this particular passage was only applicable on the 50th year, the feast, the year of the Jubilee. Well, it's not the 50th year. It starts on the 50th year. Yeah. Because it says in verse 8, and you shall count seven Sabbaths of years for yourself, seven times seven years, and the time of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be to you 49 years, then you will cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the 10th day of the seventh month on the Day of Atonement. You shall make the trumpet to sound 
throughout all your land, you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty. So this is a yearly thing. This is the Feast of Trumpets. Yes. And it, trumpets, uh, but on the seventh, every seventh one, it's a year of jubilee. Okay, yes. And everybody gets returned uh, what they originally owned. And the interesting thing about this verse, which they don't mention very much, it says, and ye shall return every man unto his family. Yeah, that's the part I read that a minute ago, and I've read that verse how many, how many times, and that one jumped out at me. What do you think that means? I mean, it's talking about slaves. Talking about what? Praise. 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 I'm having trouble understanding. Yeah, I'm this. having trouble. I'm having trouble understanding the word you're saying. Uh, S L A V E. Oh, slaves. I got you. I'm sorry. I apologize. Okay. Uh, and so slave, we, we don't have a great connection, but so the slaves get to return and be free. And that's why they're proclaiming liberty throughout the land. So if you were an, an indentured servant, right, come under bondage in the 50th year, you were free, supposedly. Yeah. This is a, this is a, a now, do you have, do we have any kind of, I'm going to get further off the subject because I don't, I want to ask you where you're going with this, Ken, but because um, most of our listeners aren't familiar with this probably offer me with this passage at all do we have any record of the jews ever actually keeping this year of jubilee and releasing the land back to its original owners and setting the slaves free captives free do we have any kind of record of them actually doing this uh, uh well i know they didn't keep it for for 70 years and they were punished for it right God said the land's going to have its Sabbath day, whether you want it or not, right? It's Jubilee. Right, right. When he sent them off to captivity. And they had a chance to repent and didn't. So they, so they punished them seven times as much. Right. Which is why they were in Babylon for 490 years. Mm-hmm. Or dispersed for 490 years. Well, you know, the other thing about this verse if some of our listeners want to look it up again, it's Leviticus 25, beginning in verse 8 or so, um, is that they weren't, in the 50th year, they were not allowed to sow or reap, and nor reap what grows of its own accord, nor gather the grapes of your untended vine. For it's a jubilee, it shall be holy to you, you shall eat its produce from the field. Now, this seems like, this is a double Sabbath day, Sabbath, as it were, because if I remember reading other places, I don't have the reverend right in front of me, on the seventh year, they weren't allowed to um, sow crops either, and that would have been the year 49, and then 50, the 50th year was the Jubilee, and they couldn't sow any crops that year. So every every week, the Jews couldn't work on the seventh day, and every year, I mean, every seven years, they couldn't plant any crops for a whole year. And then every 49 years, they couldn't plant any crops for two years, which seems, of course, from the standpoint of the science, if you want to go by the science, science says you can't do that because you'll all starve to death and uh, and so forth. But God says do it in this case. Now, what that shows, what that was to demonstrate was whether they had faith in God to provide for them or whether they only had faith in themselves to provide for themselves. That's part of what he shows. So the Sabbath was not kept in the way that God designed it to be kept by the Jews. I don't know we have much record at all about them ever keeping a jubilee, 49th and 50th years, which demonstrates a lack of faith in him. I think it was an emphasis on faith, Mike, because if you, if you really take a look at a farmer, he's got to have faith in God every time. Got to have faith in every every time, all yeah. the time. Well, Ken, you said something. What was that? 
Yeah, it's similar when they were collecting manna in the wilderness. They weren't allowed to collect it on the Sabbath. Yes. He was teaching them about this law that was coming there in the wilderness, and and many of them didn't believe him then. Uh, but yep. that was the miracle of the of the uh, of the Exodus or of the of the time of wandering, that they had to learn to depend upon him. And some of them learned that lesson. Many did not. I'd say, as a general culture, they didn't. By the time you get to Jesus, the keeping of the Sabbath was just a ritual that they had designed their traditions to avoid it being any inconvenience to them that they didn't want. Their rituals and their traditions subverted the purpose of God in the, in the keeping the Sabbath. At least it appears to me that it did. And uh, they, they, they weren't, it wasn't really there to cause them to have more faith in God, but actually to get, to get whatever they wanted. Now, you were making a point then about, I'm still not connecting up exactly, and do that for our listeners, the Jewish New Year and Rosh Hashanah and this verse. What's your analysis of what that means, what that's about? Well, it's just that this, is a, just that this year is a jubilee year. Okay, this is a jubilee year in the Jewish calendar of things. Okay. Right. Well, now, how do... Um, how do Orthodox Jews then treat this year today here in the 21st century? Is that very widely by culture? Or by country, I mean? If you go, if you go to Israel, everybody knows about Rosh Hashanah. But not many of them talk, know, know about the Feast of Trumpets. Okay. Which is really what it is. It's like it's like Easter and first fruits. Easter is a pagan holiday, pagan name. But it, like. it lands on the feast of first fruits, which is Christ's resurrection from the dead. Yeah, he became the first fruits of, of the res- of all of us re- being raised. Yes. Yes. So People connect up Easter with Easter bunnies and eggs rather than the resurrection of Christ or especially the, the promise of the festivals of, God, of the Lord in the Old Testament, the Feast of Firstfruits. Um, now, I believe you've said before on this show, Ken, that uh, Jesus came and one of the things he did was fulfill or demonstrate the four feasts of the Lord in uh, and some people call them Jewish feasts and I believe they're actually called the feasts of the Lord in Leviticus 23 he came to fulfill those feasts and what he did actual Hebrew Mike is the appointed times of the Lord the appointed times of the Lord and they were yearly for the most part okay yeah, I didn't know the word feast there was appointed time in, in Leviticus 23. Okay. And then there were what I would call Jewish feasts, like the Feast of Dedication, which are not found as being prescribed by the Lord. We call that, we might call that Hanukkah in our time. We're, we're not prescribed by the Lord, and yet they're feasts that the Jews kept. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, Rosh Hashanah, then, you're saying, although it's popular and known, well-known and kids get out of school, at least they do in parts of Florida, maybe New York City, the, it was is simply a civil holiday, not a, not a biblical holiday. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they, they, they're substituting celebrating New Year's Day for what actually is supposed to take place on the Feast of Trumpets, which is the beginning of 10 days of repentance. Uh-huh. Yeah, there you go. Imagine people not wanting to have 10 days of repentance and having instead a party. <laughs> Hard to believe, isn't it? Uh, I just happened to think of something. When I lived in, in this South is, Florida, huh? go ahead. And this is 10 days before uh, the Day of Atonement. Yes, 
which is the next big holiday or feast, as it were, coming up, right? Point in time. Right, and the most serious one. The most serious one, Yom Kippur. Yeah. And uh, yes, that, but that wasn't the beginning of the Jewish year, as it were. I've always understood there were two Jewish New Years, one civil, one religious. Is that an accurate thought? Yes. You know, when I when I first started preaching, I lived down in Hollywood, Fort Lauderdale area, preached in Miami and so forth. And and um, so people always ask me because everybody got out of school or work a lot down there for these different holidays. Like so I did some preaching and teaching to the church that I was at a couple different times about the Passover. In fact, held demonstration Passovers. I think I've even done that here some years back. Demonstration Passovers. Uh, preached about Yom Kippur and the other holidays, other feasts, and people want to know about it. So then I move up to central Illinois out in the farm country, uh, Ken, and yeah, I talk about some of these things. No one could believe that kids got out of school for Yom Kippur in South Florida. Of course, there probably wasn't a Jew in the whole county. Maybe there was a couple, but... Uh, it was odd, an odd cultural thing. Of course, now I have to tell you, the kids got out of school for Roman Polanski, not Roman Polanski, uh, some kind of Polanski day about the Pol- the Polish guy from Chicago in the Civil War. He's a great hero in Chicago, a Polish war hero. But nobody else knows. <laughs> well, Gary looked at me like I'm crazy here. I'm probably getting the butchering. I think it's Polans- Polanski day. And it's a big deal in Illinois. Kids get out of school for it. Uh, and so I thought, well, you guys are just as weird, <laughs> weird well, see, more weird than we are. See, here, here's the question that comes to my mind. Why does God do this? Why does he appoint these days and times? And why are they so important? What is, what is, what is the purpose here? And, and I keep coming back to, I think there's a comparable purpose in the things that Jesus tells us. Um, in, in Deuteronomy 8... Uh, he talks about leading them through the wilderness, and, and you pointed this out a little bit, a little bit earlier. He says, "And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these forty years in the wilderness to one humble you, to to test you, to three know what was in your heart, and four whether you would keep His commandments or not." God wants to see our faith. This is something that we miss. I think we don't we don't put it in those terms, but wow. God wants to see our faith. His His salvation is is a gift. Okay, it's grace, but He still wants to see what is in our heart. Well, yeah, and, and we don't understand. It's that. probably a poor comparison, <clears throat> and maybe Ken will have a comment about this. But He, he commanded all the keeping of these days and seasons. In the New Testament, He says. That's not the way it's going to be, the keeping of days and judging people by keeping of days and seasons. But <clears throat> he was, like you say, he was seeing, will you serve me? When they didn't keep this jubilee and when they wouldn't keep the Sabbath day, a more fundamental thing, he knew where their heart was. They had decided they were going to do things their own way and they weren't going to do what he they, God was not a part of their life all the time. God was only part of their life when they wanted him to be a part of their life. They chose now, today you have people, not only just the worldly people, but Christians who, when God says, you know, more or less, become together on the first day of the week and break bread, they won't do it. Oh, well, God's in my heart. I, I don't have to do something like that. That's a ritual, blah, blah, blah. And we've seen that a lot in the last year and a half. I think God's looking and saying, just how much effort will you make to go and be with your brothers and sisters and remember me together? Jesus says, this do in remembrance of me. But we, we want to, we'll, we'll find ways to get around that, to avoid that, because after all, who would ever want to be caught up doing something ritualistic? Of course, we do have so many rituals every day that we perform, right. but we don't want to ever do any rituals, you know. We only want to do the ones that suit us at the moment to call on a ritual, but it's it's so ridiculous. From God's vantage point, it, it's all phony and ridiculous what people push off. And just like the Jews who refused to keep this law, 
year after year, week after week, day after day, they refuse it, push God out of their knowledge, then God eventually casts them off. And, and he does require those who are his servants today, just like he did them at that time, to serve him from the heart. Well, God wants to know, are you going to do what I say from the heart? Will you do what I say? Right, And that's, again, we see those sin lists that we talked about earlier. We see the commandments to help our neighbor, love our neighbor, and how we're to have mercy. He's he's put in place something that, and I even did a sermon about, uh, I think while you were gone, maybe it was a class, I'm I'm not sure, about being distracted and what it takes from us when we're Uh distracted from what God wants us to do, that we miss opportunities. Because I firmly believe that God wants to see your faith. Yeah. And, and he wanted to see their faith through this. He wants to see our faith through the word of Jesus today. Well, you know, I'll give another crude illustration. And then uh, I don't want to keep Ken waiting here, but I'll give another crude illustration about <clears throat> this. You know, you, you your kids say they love you, you, you love them, and so you ask them to do this, this, and this, and to pick up their stuff, and to do put this away, and to do that, and they just refuse to do it. They just won't do it. At week after week, day after day, you see that they will not do the things that you ask them to do. Is it not natural and normal for you to think, well, maybe they don't love me or respect me like they say they do? Is that an unnatural? Is that a terrible thought? No, it's not. It's it might be very. They would say that they did. But where's the evidence of that? There's no evidence of that. And you can't help but think if they really love me like they say they do, they would at least respond to what to my words. They would at least find out what I wanted and try to try to do that. Not out of an obligation, but out of love for me. They would do that. We feel this as parents. And and, and, maybe- and we're not wrong in feeling that. And maybe as a parent, I don't see them do it every time, but they do it many times. And sometimes, you know, basically those are the things that indicate to us that they do care. And it's the same way. with well, Yes. And some of this is kind of a maturity. I realized as I grew older that I was disrespecting my father, or my mother, when I didn't do the things right. that they asked me on a simple basis. I was being very. But the truth is, I was being very selfish and self-oriented in what I wanted. And that's why I didn't do what my parents asked me. Well, that won't fly with God for us to be selfish and self-oriented. We can make all the excuses we want. Well, Ken, do you have any more comments about this? We've got about three and a half, four minutes left here. Yeah, I want to read uh, um, in, in Leviticus 25, uh, 18 through 21. Oh, yes, we didn't get there. Okay. Uh, I want to read this because I there's something here that I didn't realize before. All right knew that God was providing for them for the extra year. But this part is interesting, too, I think. It says, wherefore, and this goes along to what Gary was saying about uh, uh, doing God's will and stuff. Wherefore, ye shall do my statutes and keep my judgments and do them. And ye shall dwell in the land in safety. And it and the land shall yield your fruit, and ye shall eat your fill, and dwell therein in safety. And if ye sh- shall say, What shall we eat the seventh year? Behold, ye shall not sow, nor gather in, your, in our increase. Then I will command my blessing upon you in the sixth year, and ye shall bring forth fruit for three years. So, not only does he promise to provide, but he promises we'll dwell in safety. That's right. And he promises them more than they need. They're looking to not plant for two years, and he gives them three years of produce. But only, and they'll dwell in safety in their land. But they didn't do that, you see. Not only that, but he appears to do it in advance. Right. So. <laughs> well, um, Yes, I, I, these are great points. I appreciate this very much. I, I'm don't, I know that most of our listeners are not familiar with these uh, laws of the, the Sabbath, of the feasts of the Old Testament. And I appreciate you commenting about this. And you, they'll hear in the news or comments now that this is Rosh Hashanah. But you're saying it's really the Feast of Trumpets. And that ought to interest Bible students, those who care about the Bible. And I'd encourage you to go back and take a look at this. 
if you haven't done so. Well, Ken, we've got to run. <clears throat> I appreciate you calling very much. Thank you. For, thank you for calling and pointing these things out. And I'd like to thank all of our other callers and those who texted in very much today. We appreciate it. Keep doing that. And and uh, we want to invite all of you to take a look at our website, which is wearejustchristians.com. Wearejustchristians.com. And uh, you'll find lots of information about the church, recordings of both the sermons and these radio shows there on that website, wearejustchristians.com. We'd like to invite you to come and join us this morning. Uh, come and be with us in our worship and in our study. We meet at 10 o'clock for a Bible study with, for you and your children. We meet at 11 o'clock for our worship. And we'd be glad to have you. We're not going to ask you for money or embarrass you in any way. Come and see and worship with, with just Christians. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you. WPSL Port St. Lucie.